everyone, my name is Neil Kamal. I'm your host for Revenue Maverick. And today we have an esteemed guest, a friend of mine, and a director of revenue operation, Craig Handy. Craig, welcome to the Revenue Maverick program. Thank you for having me. Uh, definitely very, uh, very excited to be here. And I know you and I have been talking about this for a little while, and I think uh, it's great to finally see it come together. And I can, I can live my uh, my Tom Cruise uh, days as a as a, of a Maverick. It's RevOps, of course, not Jets, but uh, but you know the Maverick title works. I like it. Exactly, and you know RevOps community needs many many Tom Cruises of the world because <laughs> ultimately. Um, you know, the magic that happens in a revenue engine, a big part of that is kudos to the revenue operation folks. Uh, often they go unnoticed and uncelebrated in the world of sales as we know, but we know that the heroes of revenue engine are revenue operators and, and that's why we're calling them revenue maverick. Today in uh, our session, uh, Craig is going to talk about four specific metric and these metrics are they come from his experience of working at large and small organization. And he has seen how these leading indicators have been very, very powerful in guaranteeing you know, revenue results as well as revenue challenges and problems. So with that, without further ado, Craig, let's take, take us through this. Perfect, awesome. So I'll, I'll start with saying one thing too. There's a lot of things that you could look at from a, from a metric standpoint, from a data standpoint. And I think that there's some critical, I don't wanna say basic, but some critical foundational reporting and analytics that you should be looking at. I'm not covering those today. And I wanna be really clear about that. I'm gonna do a little bit of outside of the box analytics to look at that I think will give you the competitive advantage, but also will give you a different perspective or a different way to analyze certain things. So, so let's dive into it. The first thing I want to start with is just to tell you briefly about uh, the Rev Dynamics methodology. And so it's a methodology uh, that my business partner and I worked at and the main thing that we employ, uh, we're at currently York IE. Uh, but the concept of Rev Dynamics is essentially the fact that there's a lot of similarities in go-to-market as there is with the concept of fluid dynamics, so like a, a physics concept. Uh, and so the way we look at that is we look at pressure, gauge, and velocity. And for pressure for us is what are the things that kind of increase conversion? What are the things that decrease conversion? Things that hold you back or drive you forward? When we look at gauge, it's like, well, what's the overall size? Like, how do we increase the amount of volume that's going through our pipe? Whether that's more deals, um, you know, or more areas that, that things have meant. That may even be ACV. How are we increasing the, the total value in the pipe? And the last one is velocity. And these are things that increase the speed or forward momentum or things that pull them back. And we find by looking at it in this particular way, it allows us to fine tune things that we do in our go-to-market process to best suit, um, you know, best suit our objectives to best actually do experiments to actually best identify metrics and things that, that have an impact. So the reason I'm telling you all of this is part of the analytics I'm, and, and reports that I'm gonna show you now uh, takes inspiration from these three main categories and the way that we think about that. So the first one I'm gonna go into is the win-loss time gap. And you've probably heard this one before, but realistically, you, you probably more commonly hear the term time to close. And the thing is, is that time to close is not created equal. The time to win and the time to lose is often different. It often is a, is a separate thing. 
And there's different philosophies to have for that. So I like to spend time to actually look at that one specifically and look for the average variance between that. And so our number here is looking a 1.0 is the time to win, the time to lose is exactly the same, same exact time. The odds of that happening, incredibly low, uh, buy a lottery ticket if that's occurring, that's, that's very strange. But what we like to look at is have a target of like 1.10, which basically means that it takes us a little bit longer to lose than it does to win. And that intention is, is that we're going forward with the best of intentions, we're trying to get these deals closed. And you know, when we things are maybe going off the rails, we give it the benefit of the doubt, we try and bring it back in. Let me ask one question around that. So if you if you have a deal and there are five stages of the deal, if you lose a deal at stage two, obviously that time will be shorter. And if you win a deal, you have to go through all five stages so that time will be longer. So in this case, by expecting the time to loss to be greater, you are saying on an average, a loss only happens at the final stages of the deal and not in the mid cycle. No, no, and that's a good point to, to bring up actually. And so what what we find or what I've found in, in engagements and in previous companies is that what ends up happening is let's say a traditional deal, let's say most moves through five stages and let's say it takes 10 days each stage gets to, to being one, it was 50 days altogether. Mm -hmm. What ends up happening is let's say we're in stage three, we may spend 40 days in stage three. That deal should have been closed lost, but it's sitting there. And so what ends up happening is that that starts to extend. So if everything was created equal, 100%, yeah, the wind would take longer because we'd have things that would drop off. But That's this stagnation is, and, and so this is, this is when we get into this very interesting piece where when we're looking at our forecasting, we may say, all right, uh, we have X number of deals forecasted to close, close win. We look at our win-loss time gap and we realize that the average time to win is, let's say it's 30 days and we have a bunch of deals that are forecasted to close and they're at 38 days. Me, I'm not counting them, I'm getting, they're gone. They're still alive, fair, sales rep work them, that's fine, but they're not part of my forecast because they've exceeded the time frame of when they actually realistically should probably close. If that time starts to increase, then I know that those things are comparable. If the time starts to decrease, maybe our process is cleaner, maybe we're getting better at qualification. But the real factor here for me is understanding, is it still in the realm of possibility? And is the ability to understand how we win versus the ability to understand how we lose, is that in, in competition with one another or are those actually kind of aligned or they, do they make sense? They have an explanation for it. So that's one of the ones that I look at uh, in, in that standpoint. So if it is, if a deal is taking more than that 1.1 times your ideal, then what action what decisions do you make if it is not ideal? What do you do with this? So one of the main ones that we'd look at is, is there a factor in the market? Is there a factor in the particular product? Is the market segment itself playing into that, right? And so you may look at, all right, well, certain deals with companies in particular industries are taking longer because maybe traditionally they have deeper procurement processes, or maybe there's a key thing that we're losing late in the stage or late in the opportunity that we should actually address early on, right? And, and so those are those types of things that you would double down on to understand why that's actually happening. Another factor may be the fact that do we understand when a deal has momentum or when it does not? And that comes to a sales coaching based behavior to say, if we have, you know, reps that don't know 
what a good deal looks like or not doing good qualification to start or kind of getting the runaround by the prospect, then there's some time to spend to say, all right, well, can we improve that? Can we, uh, can we coach them on, on, again, creating that momentum, creating that understanding earlier on so they can differentiate, is this deal actually, does it have legs or, or does, it, does it not? Um, the time to win is generally gonna be the time to win and you can optimize that. The time to lose is usually subjective unless you're getting an actual message from the prospect saying, hey, I do not want to move forward with this. Please close lost your opportunity. I don't think we hear those very often. They kind of trickle out. And so because of that subjectivity, there's a lot on the rep or those involved to be able to identify those signs and realize when it's time to pop it back and nurture or when it's time to double down or realistically when it is or isn't time to forecast it. This is actually very smart. It solves another problem. A lot of people just look at average time to win and they look for all deals which are being an anomaly, which are taking more than that. But the problem is average time to win across the company has no meaning to the deal execution. And by making it a ratio, you are applying a cohortness to it. So for a particular rep, if your time to lose is longer, then maybe your time to win is longer too because you are dealing with a particular type of market segment, which is not. So by making it a ratio and a time gap, you have solved the problem of uh, broad stroke comparison across the company. You have made it to the cohort of that rep or maybe that business unit. Pretty smart, I like it. <clears throat> so this one, I'm gonna talk about the concepts and then I'm gonna talk about the particular graph that I've shown. And I wanna be clear that this is not the only graph to look at this particular topic. It's uh, it's the one I spun up and I think you can probably use something way better using Boost Up, but nonetheless, uh, the, the intention here really is looking at the ACV standard deviation. So standard deviation for, for all those listening is gonna be the variance between all of the different uh, instances of an annual contract value compared to its average. So what is the average contract value? How much does that differ? So in this particular uh, view and what I'm showing here is I'm looking at based on three different market segments, our SMB, our mid-market and our enterprise. And the plots on the graph are looking at the percentage of standard deviation. So this is normally not shown in percentage, but I'm doing this for, for simplification of this. Um, and we're then looking at it over quarters. And so the main reason for this and why I initially started going towards looking at the ACB uh, standard deviation is because when you are forecasting your deals and you are forecasting into the future based on we think we're going to hit x revenue we need to produce this many leads you almost always use the acv as the calculation of that but the deals are not the acv so an example of this let's say you have one million dollars in your pipeline and you have three deals that represent what that is you could say hey all three of those deals have a you know a, an equal acv but that's probably maybe not the case maybe one of the deals is 850,000 and another is 100,000 and you know another another one's 50,000 right like they, they they are not all equal so if you say well if i win 50% of them i'm going to win i'm going to get 500,000 in revenue no depends on which one of those deals you're going to get and so when you're running your forecast what i'm looking for is i'm taking into consideration what the actual average is and then looking at the deviation to then say, what is the possible upside of that versus where is it possibly gonna come in low? And then how can I then separately chunk out these individual deals within that pipe? So it's not always a clean process, 
but it's a process that allows you to get really, really tight when it comes to ensuring that when you're forecasting, you are capturing that variance and, and you're not surprised by these things of, you know, where it could swing. So that's the main focus of it. But there's another factor for this that I think is really great. You're going to hear a lot probably toward, you know, in 2022, you definitely heard it. You're going to hear a lot more of it in 2023, but it's the concept of PLG, the product-led growth. You're going to hear, again, the buyer centricity, all of those topics. And when we look at pricing and how we package our contracts play a lot into that. And so an example of that being is in an SMB market, the likelihood that you have a set price, you don't negotiate that price, or the price is really like straightforward, makes sense for the market. The sense is, is that that SMB should have very low deviation, if any. When you're looking at an enterprise contract that is like, hey, we don't even list our price, we negotiate, we have different pieces, you are gonna expect wider deviation from that, that's, that's fine. So what we look at this is to say, what is the deviation trend? And ideally we want that deviation actually to be going down. We want it to be more predictable, more close, but we also ideally want the average contract value to go up. And so if we're seeing deals that are above the expectation or below expectation, then we want to double down on those. And we want to look at that to say, are we uh, adding value by adding add-ons? And that's why we're increasing the price. Or are we actually selling through discounts, which is a horrible practice to partake in, but it's, do we feel like we're not providing value where we can't actually sell this? So we're just, you know, tossing discounts out the window, in which case our deviation starts to get really all over the place and we don't need by value. So again, it's, this is like a multi-layered sense of, a, of mm. a metric and a stat, but it is one that's very useful when you're looking at how your, your go-to-market from a pricing, packaging, and pitching standpoint looks over time as you're going along. Very well said. And, and also very timely because in 2023, this is gonna play out hugely. Um, if you miss the $800,000 deal, and even if you are more than 50%, you will not make that half a million dollar, as well as the sentiment of the industry on trying to get to uniformity on pricing on SMB, which is where, you know, the cost is higher, the cost of sale is higher, and the predictability needs to come in. I think it also gives me an opportunity to plug in, boost up a little bit here, because what happens in charts like this, a chart like this can be drawn in multitude way, including spreadsheet. However, if you have boost up Rev BI, you will be able to click on those dots and see the list of opportunities which are in the deviant part of the standard deviation, which are not conforming to the standard and they are the deviation. So the double clickability of the chart and going from a point all the way directly into deals and from deals into um, the specificity of data that we call that the connected tissue or the connected layer of revenue intelligence and Boostup is very good with that. But coming back to this chart, now if, if in your practice, Craig, when you were seeing lumpiness or deviations, unexpected deviations, what were you able to do using these charts? Were, was this able to just bring attention for executives or it was actually execution to at the rep and manager level yes yeah, and and that's a great question is i i think both the chart you saw before this chart and even the next chart i like to call them canaries uh and you know the canary in the coal mine type of perspective is that they are there to give you a baseline uh, a tension metric a, a point to say hey something's up here something's interesting i want to double down i want to look into it uh, and that's the main focal point of this that being said, 
can I leverage this? Yes, there's, I would say two main ways that I would, I would leverage this. The first one is if I'm seeing particular trend lines going up, I'm gonna go back to, and remember we thought about this before, the Rev Dynamics, we're looking at those three categories. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna do an experiment, probably with gauge on the ACV side of thing, is I'm going to maybe bump my ACVs or I'm gonna decrease my ACV and I'm gonna see, or my price point on my products. And I'm gonna see, does that net in the standard deviation? Or can I make these different, like you can only discount this much or here's this unique package that we're gonna do. Can we simplify some of that? And then do we see that? These are not things you're gonna see overnight. It, it needs to be trended, it needs to be captured. If you look at this from a monthly standpoint as opposed to a quarterly standpoint, you're gonna to need to hope that you have volume to be able to make something representative because again, that, that's a real key thing. The other thing I would say is when you're, when you're able to actually, and to your point, the connective tissue, when you're able to actually go in there and look at that, if this is, and, and the way I'm, I've done this report is these are deals that have been closed. If I'm looking at it live, from a manager standpoint, going in there and seeing like, hey, you know, this this team or this rep has this huge deviation, what are these deals? And then diving into that further to say, all right, well, this deal's like this because of X, or this deal's like this because of Y, and then I can actually coach that or, or uh, you know, influence that ahead of time to try and nip that in the butt before it becomes, before it actually becomes a trend. You know what I mean? It's, 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 a, it's a point, not a big deal. If it's a if it's a line changing direction, well, that becomes a big deal. Uh, maybe a good big deal, but often not. That's right. Very good. I like this. Perfect. All right. So we'll jump into the last one here. Um, so this this one is personally my favorite. It's very simple, but I I will not go anywhere without it. Doesn't matter who I'm working with what I'm doing, I'm always looking at this particular piece. And so what the, this is, this is the ultimate canary in the coal mine. Um, pipe health for us is defined as we look at a snapshot of the first day of the month and we look at exactly the deals that are in the pipe. And the way that we do that is we take deals that were created, subtract deals that were closed. That includes deals that are won. That includes deals that are lost. We include deals that are won is because you can't win a deal twice. It's it's not in the pipe anymore. It's over. You can upsell it, great, that's fine. But if you've won the deal, yeah, that's great, that's exciting, celebrate, you've got revenue, but now you have one less deal in the pipe. So you need to do something about that. So this report on its own tells you very little in the sense of why, but it is used as a double click kind of point to then benchmark everything. And, and whenever you're measuring something else, come back to this as a tension metric. And again, for the audience, tension metric is a metric that is used in conjunction with another metric to, you know, if you change this, what does it happen over here? Or if we do this, what happens over here? It's always used to see things in balance to try and find net positive as opposed to positive here, negative down there. So what we generally see here is you're looking at the, the main, the blue bars, which is the overall size of deals in the pipe. You can do this by ACV if your CRM or your analytics platform boost up indexes and snapshots. If you're using something you know, like Salesforce or HubSpot, you, you're controlled into a particular way to do it, but it's still leveraged. Um, oftentimes I found you doing it in Excel sheets, so that's not the, uh, that's not the way forward, but it is a way. Uh, but you're basically looking at deals created, uh -huh. uh, or sorry, total deals in the pipe. And then the net change is looking at obviously just the change from the previous period, the previous measurement. So are we growing the pipe or is the pipe shrinking? Doesn't tell you, oh yeah, the pipe shrunk because we won a million deals, great. Pipe shrinking, that's what you need to focus on. 
We then look at what is the average time to close. In this case, I don't care about win or loss. I'm just looking at when do deals on average go from creation to done. And then I'm looking at the win rate. So that does play into effect of, is it a, is it a positive closeout? So these are the questions that I'm gonna ask when I'm, when I'm going through here is, I'm gonna say, if I'm adding salespeople to the business, is my overall pipe size growing? If it isn't, do I need those particular salespeople? Mm -hmm. If I'm adding those salespeople, my pipe is staying the same, my win rate is growing, going up, then I can assume I've probably reduced the number of deals an individual rep is working with, and therefore the individual rep can spend better time and sell better, that's great. Maybe my pipe stays exactly the same, but my win rate plummets. Okay, I'm creating a bad pipe. I'm adding bad deals in and I'm closing them out just as quickly as I'm bringing them in. That's not positive to the business because I'm not generating revenue. I'm just making it look like I have a big pipe. Or maybe the pipe is growing, but the win rate is shrinking. And that's actually showing again, I'm even doubling down on that further. Um, another one being maybe the pipe is staying stagnant but the average time to close is skyrocketing. So I'm actually not generating new business, I'm just not closing anything out. So it's realistically this kind of thing we go back to to say, this is like, this is the pulse. This is the main lifeline of what that, that pipe is looking. And then we turn those levers, put those knobs, everything we're doing and seeing what does that actually do to the overall health of that particular pipe. So it's simple, but I love it as that, as that canary. Are you also trending the average time to close and win rate on a month to month basis? Because here right now it is just stationary. Yeah, so, so generally, and again, we'll do this in different ways depending on you know what kind of business you have, which type of business you're working with. Um, my preference is rolling 120. I think rolling 120 is a very useful tool to not to show history, but also not, like a lot can change in a year. Right. Uh, but some clients that we do this with, it's 365. Some of them they want to do it quarterly. Um, I I will do it monthly, but I won't I won't recommend it because the sense is is that again, a win rate in a month period is is volatile. That that doesn't actually make sense. Um, but but that's the intention is you want to set a time frame and then run with that that particular conversion to see like how that is changing, how that is influencing. And just a small point of clarification. Um, it's kind of obvious, but let me state it out. The black lines and red lines are basically the reverse of each other, right? So if you have won deals, then that's in black. And if you have lost deals, then of the pile, then it is negative or is no. the off? No, that's, so those are, um, those are representative of the bar directly uh, behind it. So if you see, um, let's, let's look at uh, April, 2022, which is right here. What that's basically saying is that that black bar there is the amount of pipe growth compared to the previous month, which was March. So if you basically kind of took that chunk there, that would sit up here and make that equal. But you look at June, it's red because it's actually a pipe size decrease. And so when you look at that, it's, yep, yeah, that overall in May 2022, we were, uh, I don't know, it's like 75, maybe we were down to, you know, 70, right? And so it's it's basically, it's just in the black or in the red. Right. On, on and the red can happen even if you have added more to the pipe because you have closed one or closed last many. Yeah, like for, for example, like if this if, if we broke this data down, you know, this July here, we had a big drop, but we could have had our best month ever and right. closed a ton of deal and blew the revenue in the water. And that's fine. Like you would look at that and be like, oh, does, is that bad? And you should, you should look at that and be like, is that bad? Then you go and you validate. Okay, we won a lot of deals. This was a great month. 
if we keep at this pace though, if we keep winning, are we gonna, you know, I'm, I'm in, we're asking the VP of sales, the CRO, hey, this was a great month. Are, are we gonna keep doing this? Because if we are, we don't have the pipeline for it. So that's that scenario where, all right, great. So we need to actually get more deals. We need to actually pump that back up again. If this was a fluke, we had a promo and there was a market shift that people wanted to buy this. All right, let's not panic about that. Maybe we're good. Maybe we don't need to hire a bunch of new salespeople. Maybe we don't need to, you know, drop a bunch of money on a marketing campaign. You know, you know, maybe we do, right? So that's that's really it's meant to create questions. Yes, it's a canary, canary point. I got that. What about plotting the number of reps? Because one of the key decisions you're making through this chart is is the business or the pipeline continue to grow and therefore we need to fund growth of the sales team. Do you ever consider plotting the number of reps as an overlay on this chart? Yeah, you, you know, you can you can plot that. You can plot, like I said, we, you do it in an ACV standpoint instead of a, instead of a, a you know, deals number. Um, you can actually try and trend the win rate. I mean, it's a little messy, but you can do that. Um, I've seen this one done by, uh, you know, doing the bar chart with like the, the stack bar chart and showing different market segments in it as well to see like, are we, because another example for that may be, um, we are filling the pipe with a ton of SMB and our enterprise is decreasing and then our ACV is dropping and everything looks good, but, but actually no, it's not because that's not strategically what we're doing, right? So basically any other metric that you look at, as long as it's trendable, you can overlay it on here and see if that has having any sort of correlation or, or, or whatnot. Uh, and usually it does. And it's, it's actually this wonderful thing where we, we uh, had a client, um, probably it was six months ago that we were having a review of this and, and their uh, uh, their controller was on the call and we layered the ACV with the number of deals and the, obviously the bars and everything numbers were different but the shape was exactly the same and he's like hang on a second like that 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 really like makes sense like that and I'm like yeah like it does and, and that's that's important because you're starting to see like what are these what 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 is creating these changes or what is creating this trend yeah in fact, this is a significant leading indicator for the early part of the go-to-market function. Because if this is not happening, then all the other decisions, investment into the sales team, or uh, increasing or decreasing investment into marketing team, or investment into your R&D, basically this is an early indicator of a lot of other decisions that you make. So I agree with your sentiment that you know, pipeline health is one such thing that everybody looks at and everybody looks differently, but uh, you've given me a very interesting way of looking at it. So this is very useful. Do you have more, Craig? Please no, keep on going. I, I have this I have this lovely thank you slide. That's, uh, that's the last one. <laughs> I will say one thing though, and I'll, I'll go back and I'll, I'll mention this um, here, because I, I think it's relevant and it's relevant to this and, and as we see things. There's, um, there's a concept and you know, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it on the side and whatnot, but um, especially around all these things, the, the concept of the Bernoulli's principle. Um, and we talk about this from, um, from fluid dynamics, we take it from fluid dynamics, uh, but it's mainly the concept that when, when a fluid moves through a pipe, the faster it moves through the pipe, the less outward pressure it creates. So if we translate that into our go-to-market pipe, our, our metaphorical pipe, 
the faster a deal, the more straightforward, consistent, predictable flow of motion ideal moves from start to finish, the less outward pressure is going to create. So it's going to be more, it's more efficient. It's a more affordable deal. It's a more predictable deal. Everything's great about that. When the velocity slows down, when the forward momentum slows down, it starts to create outward pressure, which puts pressure on your sales team, on your solution engineers, on your legal team, on your pricing specialists, on your marketers sometimes. All of that adds to the cost of actually getting a successful customer. It decreases the predictability. It decreases your, your overall success of the business. And then it means you need actually more people to even get that done. And so when, when we look at these, you know, these canary type reports, one of the ways that we're looking for that is to seeing, are we contributing to positive, healthy behaviors in that go-to-market process? And, and if we are, great. If we're not, let's use these tools to like double in or double down and identify like where is it that we're we're missing the mark where can we you know spend more or focus more or whatnot to improve that uh, and, and there's a there's a multitude of different factors like Bernoulli's principle that that really relate to that story and, it, and it's just about uncovering you know what is actually going on and ultimately asking better questions of yourself and of your go-to-market team as a well. whole yeah actually you're making me think about how did the concept or the terminology of pipe come to the world of modern selling? Yeah. <laughs> because fluid dynamics, oh, the concept is very powerful actually. And Bernoulli's principle is applicable for anything that is floating and business need to be floating and growing. So right. whether you look at it from a pressure to the pipe perspective, or you look at it from a health of the business, which wants to just cruise through and float, it all makes sense for for fluid dynamics to be the inspiration behind how revenue teams should be operating. However, come to think of it, I think the pipe term was borrowed from car and assembly line, is what I recall. Uh, Craig, I want to thank you for your contribution uh, to the revenue operations group. Uh, you continue to be a thought leader and welcome and congratulations to be a revenue maverick. We will post this video People will watch it. I'm sure they will have questions and they will reach out through the community over the LinkedIn or whichever form they can. So for the watchers, thank you so much for listening and uh, feel free to tag us for where, if we can be of value to you. Wonderful. Thank you for having me.